Well, when MIT Media Lab researcher discovers that most facial recognition software does not accurately identify darker skinned faces as well as the faces of women, she delves into an investigation of widespread bias and algorithms and she finds out artificial intelligence or AI as it's known is not neutral. That's sort of the premise of the documentary Code Bias and the studio to tell us more is director Shalani Kantaya. Good morning to you and thanks for being with us. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So was it this researcher Joy Bolamwini? Joy Bolamwini. Bolamwini. Was it her research that got you interested in this? Absolutely. Um, I was sort of a sci-fi tech geek and sort of imagined the future as a hobby and sort of um, came across Joy's research in a TED Talk and was sort of astounded at this young woman who was sort of taking on big tech and disrupting the disruptors. Yeah, so how how did you then come onto the story? You saw her, and then, then what happened? I started to read really ferviently about the subject. So I, I, I read books by Kathy O'Neill and Meredith Broussard. Kathy O'Neill, of course, author of Weapons of Math Destruction, and another book by Meredith Broussard called uh, Artificial Unintelligence. And um, the more that I learned, the more I realized that it wasn't just bias in facial recognition technology, but these... Um, that we can be impacted by bias and algorithms that are impacting all kinds of um, aspects of our lives. Everything from who gets hired, who gets health care, how much they pay for that health insurance, if someone will um, be admitted to college. AI is becoming a gatekeeper, an automated decision maker in many of our lives. And it's time that we all start to look at what we're losing when we sort of outsource our decision making to machines. Well, if you would just talk a little bit about that, the implications of artificial mm-hmm. into I mean, if it's not so smart, mm-hmm. I mean, that it, that it can't figure out that a woman is black or a woman. I mean, what are the implications for that? Then? Well, you know, I'm a filmmaker and I'm not the MIT Media Lab researcher, but um, I think the implications are that the this technology is being trained on data sets that are predominantly male and predominantly pale. And so the implications are that we are creating systems uh, that are designed by a very small elite group of people. And these systems are being optimized for a very small elite group of people. And yet they're being deployed widely throughout the world. And um, in the United States, there is just no regulation in, in place around these algorithms. And so uh, what I discovered in the making of this film is this Um, incredible imbalance of power that I feel is not healthy in the context of a democracy. Well, and it's also not visible. I think that was the scary Mm -hmm. thing for me. You know, it points out that segregation of the 60s, if there's a sign posted or two separate schools, it's obvious and you know what to legislate against. But when it's hidden, invisible in a system that you don't know why you've received demerits or why you've not been selected, you can't complain. You can't legislate. So it really is kind of invisible. Absolutely. And I think that is one of the, 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 the most frightening things is that sometimes we don't even know when there has been an an AI in the mix, when an automated decision has been made about us. And sometimes we might have been denied an opportunity and not even know it 
because of an AI system. And that is perhaps what is what is most frightening. I don't think this was mentioned in the film. I don't recall. But um, for an example, let's just say that a math rating, for some reason, women, usually the mothers, usually the caregivers, might experience more sick days than a male employee for good reason. But if the math algorithm connects female with frequent absences, all of a sudden you've got marks against you that you don't know about. And and that probably wasn't used in the film, but similar things tied to keywords, tied to organizations, tied to whatever can be against you. That's absolutely right. The computer's picking up on, as an example in my film, um, Amazon had, had introduced an AI hiring AI and had to scrap it because unbeknownst to them, it discriminated against all women. And what it had picked up on is that, you know, who had gotten hired, who had gotten promoted, who had stayed, what they were judging as success. More successful employees were men. Right. And so the AI uh, picked up on the unconscious bias. And so if you had a woman's college on your resume or if you had a woman's sport, the AI would discriminate against you. And you can see how dangerous putting these systems into place with no human in the loop to check them can be. Yeah, so when you talk about there's no regulations, I mean, does the film talk about ways that are changes that need to be made or should be made or at least considered? Well, one of the reasons that I'm not totally hopeless, one of the reasons I have hope are the women in my film. And uh, I say women, they are data science and mathematicians. And and they happen to be all women. It's sort of what I discovered in the making of the film that many of the people who are leading um, this fight for more humane and ethical uses of the technologies that will shape our future are actually women and people of color. They both have the um, expertise to sort of get to the issues and understand the technical part of this, but they also have an experience of being an outsider and of maybe being marginalized or maybe being in a situation where a machine didn't see them like the case of joy. Um, And so they bring this sort of deeper humanity to technology. And so in the making of this film, what I really realized is that it affirmed my belief that a small group of people can make a difference. And if you watch Coded Bias, you'll see a small group of women do just that. And in fact, I was so relieved in the film because I know in watching Mark Zuckerberg be questioned by Congress and all of these old guys who cannot be computer or social media savvy, Joy does appear in the film testifying. So mm-hmm. she's she's up there and involved, and that made me feel relieved. Mm-hmm. And she came out with you, or she was here for a while? Yes, she is here for the duration of the festival and has been on all the screenings, yes. Yeah, and then be able to answer folks' questions as as well. Absolutely, yeah. with her technical expertise, yes. <laughs> and then I read somewhere about a, a Justice League. Is that something that she has founded? Yes, so Joy, uh, as a result of her work, and it, it is featured in the film, uh, started an organization called the Algorithmic Justice League. And the organization helps to help bridge a gap in understanding, but it also helps to forward some of the, the, the messaging of the film, which is to tell your story about AI harm. You know, some of this is like what you were saying about making the invisible visible. And so to just have a place online at AJLUnited.org 
where you can share your story of how an automated system, how an AI has harmed you or denied you an opportunity so that we can start to bring out um, to make what is in, uh, invisible visible and therefore to challenge these systems. Okay. Um, in, in terms of uh, the regulation we're talking about, I mean, has this happened in other places in the world where there are regulations? Oh, yes, there are regulations. There are regulations in Europe. Uh, they have the general uh, data protection regulation in Europe. And that is part of the reason uh, why you can access, you have a right to access what information is known about you. And you actually have rights. Mm -hmm. And what we are learning from our uh, our friends in Europe is that data rights are actually human rights and uh, very central to a democracy. And unlike here in the United States where it's a wild, wild west, and the thing that um, I'm concerned about is that we are the home of these technology companies. If we don't regulate the companies that are doing business in our backyard, who will? I think you said in the movie nine, there are nine companies around the world, six of them are in the U.S. and, what, three in China? That's right. Um, uh, the amazing futurist Amy Webb um, lays out really clearly that, that AI is sort of developing along these two tracks. Six of the major companies are in the U.S. and three are in China. And China has unfettered, unfettered access to information. If you want to get on the Internet in China, you have to submit to facial recognition. And this kind of invasive surveillance, this type of monitoring is becoming part of a social credit score where Chinese citizens actually get scored based on their behavior. And this is a way of maintaining social control. And while we look at that in China as sort of like a far out Black Mirror episode that can never happen here, um, as more and more of our technologies uh, get made in China, as more of our more and more of our companies decide whether they are going to be pro-democratic or pro-commercial interest, which we've seen with the MBA and other companies um, speaking out at, at Hong Kong, I think that we need to decide whether it's important to us that we bake democratic ideals into the technologies of the future. Barb, anything else? Um, there are a couple more screenings, one tonight, 9 o'clock, at the uh, the library, and then on Saturday, February 1st at noon at the Park Avenue Theater. And then any prospects for the film? I mean, what, what is something like um, PBS would, would pick something like this Yes, up, we're, we're exploring offers right now. Wonderful. And we hope to bring this film to you very soon. Good. Well, I appreciate your time this morning. Jalani Kantaya, Kantaya, thanks for your time this morning. Tune in and find out about some of the unknown and talented independent filmmakers from around the world. Join us for the Sundance Reel each weekday morning between 9 and 10. We'll highlight some of the most intriguing films being presented at this year's Sundance Film Festival. That's the Sundance Reel weekday mornings from 9 to 10 through January 31st, right here on KPCW or online, kpcw.org. The Sundance Reel is brought to you in part by Sundance Institute, presenting the 2020 Sundance Film Festival from January 23rd through February 2nd. And Acura, proud 10-year sponsor of the festival and supporter of independent film and music. Learn more at Acura.com.